credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Vitruvian podcast. That is correct. The name has changed, as you have seen on any of the socials, the logo has changed. And these are all things that I will discuss in this episode as far as future directions of the brand, where we've come from, where we're going, um, what I'm excited about with the future direction of the brand and everything, as well as kind of a one-year recap and some of the things that went into the story and the lore of the Vitruvian, even when I was originally creating it and how it's kind of grown and evolved over the last year. So lots to discuss. I'm excited to share some of the updates, stuff I've been working on, stuff I've been alluding to. I know I tend to be, I don't know if it's good or bad self-promotion, but always alluding to, yeah, I'm working on something behind the scenes. So for those that are the faithful that are coming week to week to hear this, I appreciate you first off. Second off, this is finally the end point or the payoff to all of that. So I'm excited to share what I've been working on, the new branding, where we're going. Um, But before all of that, I think it's best to go back to where this all started just about over a year ago now when I was creating the brand initially, trying to find the namesake for the program and the podcast and everything. I've mentioned before how I've always drawn inspiration from the great men of history, Leonardo da Vinci amongst them. And I was always inspired by and felt somewhat akin to the fact that he was not only an artist, but he was also an inventor, an anatomist, a botanist, a physicist, a philosopher, all of these things. And he kind of created and truly engendered the term Renaissance man. And I've always similarly felt that I didn't have one specialty or I never had one thing that was my thing. I was always a jack of all trades. And I think we live in a world that totes heavily and almost forces or encourages niching down, specialization, mastering one thing. And there's, I have a tremendous amount of admiration for true mastery in a field, but I also think that the human experience is extremely broad. And if you're given a list of these interests, you should always pursue them and not pigeonhole yourself into a single label, a single career field, a single interest, but be as diverse and powerful as you can because it is in that unique alchemy of all those things that you are interested in that is the highest level of your expression because your list is different than my list, is different than the next person. And so figuring out what makes you unique in that combination of things that you find powerful and interesting is what can make your message so, so powerful. All that to say, and originally taking the name from the famous sketch from Leonardo, the Vitruvian man with the man in the circle in the square, and beginning to run with it. And what was cool is the more I looked into the etymology, like where did the name come from, it kind of opened up this whole world where it turns out that the name Vitruvian comes from a famous Roman architect named Marcus Vitruvius Polio, who wrote one of the most famous architecture books or texts at the time called De Architectura. Within that text, he talks about the human body being the principal source of proportion for building architectural buildings, as we see across a ton of Western 
chapels, basilicas, churches, they're often in this kind of cross shape, which is not only the crucifix in biblical Christianity, but also kind of a man with his arms outstretched. And he said that buildings have these three, what he deemed kind of Vitruvian identities, firmitus, utilitus, venustus, which is strength, utility, and beauty. And obviously, I think we can view the human body having a lot of those same attributes. And it was just really fascinating to find that there's a layer behind the name. And so when you arrive to the Vitruvian, I have had a ton of people ask, like, how did you come up with the name? It's so unique. I haven't seen anything like that. And I do think it has kind of that elevated sense of maybe mystery, maybe luxury, maybe just something that's very intriguing and and not a common word you see in the lexicon, I suppose. And so in of itself, just the word is, is a very powerful piece of branding, but on top of it, to be able to have these layers. And obviously I've built kind of the internal story to the program and the men that I work with, building out yourself as a Vitruvian man with three identities of philosopher, warrior, and artist. Philosopher being your philosophy of self, developing your mindset, breaking through limiting beliefs, warrior, treating your body rigorously, having discipline in your diet, nutrition, training, etc. And then finally, artist, figuring out how you can be a creative force and figuring out what is your, as I call it, your Achilles advantage. It's like I was talking about at the beginning, your unique combination of skills, interests, even weaknesses. The name Achilles advantage comes from the fact that Achilles was such a potent and feared fighter in ancient times because he was super aware of his weak point. He became so deadly on the field because he had to protect and he knew very acutely his one weak point. And so I think as people, when we truly have an extremely high level of self-awareness of our interests, passions, skills, competencies, strengths, weaknesses, etc., all of that combines to what your gift is to give to the world. And so that was kind of how the brand began. Obviously, I took kind of the complete name, the Vitruvian Man project for the podcast and then program. And that was great. You know, I, lo- I loved especially building out that first logo, the logo that you guys know and love, the VM with kind of the pillars. I think that both the letter V and the letter M are extremely masculine, you know, harsh, sharp corners. So it, it always had kind of a presence to it, very strong. And I really do love that logo. I'll, I'll probably keep it in the in the background and maybe bring it back for projects in the future um, because I do think it, it speaks to the brand. It has obviously the pillars, um, one of them being more form than the other. I think it even in that, there's a bit of a story talking about how we are kind of an unfinished project in, our, in of ourselves. We're always working towards total construction. Um, and we will always be unfinished and we're always iterating. So there's a lot of story elements. I think it stands on its own. It's, it's aesthetically very pleasing, but I also recognize a few things when I wanted to step towards what we are now, the Vitruvian, realizing that the word man, for better or for worse, brings with it connotations, especially in the day and age we are in. And it's not something that I'm ashamed of at all. I'm proud and consider myself extremely blessed to be a man, but I also don't want on surface level to have the brand and the message that I'm trying to put out limited in any way by the perceptions of others and think that this is just another men's advice thing, uh, red pill, 
dating pickup, any of that. I just don't want to be associated with any of that stuff in the perception of the future audience that will come. And I don't know who's listening to this. Hopefully at this time, you know, it's going to be the time I release it. It's going to be the, the men and women that have been so loyal to me. And I appreciate you guys so much for coming week to week. This is, I suppose, all of the things that I've been alluding to in the past few weeks finally coming to fruition. I know I tend to drag out this tease of, oh, I'm working on something. So this has been a lot of the rebrand that I've been working behind the scenes on. And I see an extremely high ceiling for myself, for this brand over a long time, including the podcast itself. And I wouldn't want to be limited in any way by continuing the name of the man. Second of all, it's also clunky, just the Vitruvian Man Project, the Vitruvian Man Podcast. It's it's a lot. And I think the Vitruvian is extremely clean. It brings more attention to the word Vitruvian, which I can pour story into. Um, and secondarily, you know, I worked with a good friend of mine, Axel, to help build the brand identity, the new logo, the fonts, the colors, all of the c- entire kind of brand identity for what the Vitruvian is stepping into. Extremely talented kid. If anyone is looking for kind of high level luxury branding, uh, message me directly and I can get you in contact with Axel. But when we were building it out, he had a good point that the truly great logos can be drawn or recreated by a child. Think of Nike, the swoosh, Uh, any kid can write a check and obviously it wouldn't be one-to-one with their exact logo, but they can recreate it, right? Um, Apple is just an Apple and many of the great prolific, iconic, timeless brands have these logos that are very simple. And so the letter mark being just the V is extremely powerful. There is kind of an Easter egg from where we got that kind of structure and proportion from, which if anyone can detect it, I'll be very impressed. I'm going to leave that as almost an Easter egg for maybe future when I get invited on podcasts to see if anyone can do their research and figure it out. But it comes from a lot of the things that I've been studying with ancient schools and traditions of wisdom. That's all I will say for that. But I think that the V alone is still extremely powerful, still extremely masculine. It commands kind of authority. It has a presence to it. And what's interesting is as I was kind of thinking about preparing for this podcast, I was also looking at, you know, what other words start with V and the list. It's pretty cool how it all kind of ends up telling a similar story. And there's so many things. And I haven't really gone down the etymological rabbit hole on the letter V or words that start with V, but a couple of words that are also start with V and I think fit into the kind of brand stories like vision, victory, virtue, obviously virtue being mentioned in the Vitruvian Manifesto, which I will get into here in a second. But I just think it's really cool that that letter tends to be associated also with really powerful words. The letter on its own is very powerful, symmetrical, all of these things. So the story of the logo, wanting to tell kind of a congruent narrative visually, making it very clear in the eyes of the consumer, what they're looking at, what they're going to get from it, what's associated with it. And from my side, building out the story and specifically writing out the Vitruvian Manifesto, which kind of tells the story of what I believe the Vitruvian means to me and will mean to the world was extremely fun. I'm continuing to fall more and more in love with writing and communicating. And when I set out, it took me well over a week of like dedicated, I would spend like all my deep work sessions every morning for a week, just read writing, rewriting, writing, rewriting, 
trying to create something that was timeless and prolific. And I, I hope this ends up being, and I imagine it to be end up being something that is powerful. It stands on its own. Obviously, the website has a section for it. I released kind of that animated reel that I can either clip in here, which you'll hear, hopefully, maybe even with the music, or I'll end up reading it. But before I cl- clip it in and get to the actual manifesto itself, during the writing process, I kept up other tabs on my computer. And I think it's important to pay homage to the things that were super inspirational to me. I was have always been extremely inspired by a number of these kind of like stanzas, speeches, snippets, pieces of advertising. So the few that I had listed up, I've read on this podcast before the Holstein Manifesto. I'll reread it again here in a second. But it was that, uh, the Think Different ad from Apple. Every Angel is Terrifying, which is a speech by Rivatez that has then been turned into kind of a longer form video essay for the Praxis Project. And then, of course, the intro-outro of this podcast come from the Man in the Arena speech by Theodore Roosevelt, which is another one um, that I was kind of rereading on repeat and just punching into my mind. And I would take these sessions and write and rewrite my thing, sometimes straying more into copies and derivatives and then, you know, scrapping that because it needs to stand on its own, but just taking long walks, listening to these pieces of audio, and I guess just hammering it into my subconscious to then eventually create what I did that tells the story of what's going on, how I feel about the Vitruvian, what it stands for, what I hope it stands for in the eyes and minds of those that listen and come to it in the future. So the first piece that I'll read off is the Holstein Manifesto. I've mentioned it on this podcast before, but I believe the story loosely is that a couple of friends back in like mid-2000s were stepping away from their full-time jobs to create some sort of online company And in the process, they kind of sat down to write their manifesto as kind of an empowering piece for themselves, just internally, to like hang up on the wall. And point two is like, this is what we believe when things get hard, we're going to point to this, whatever. It ended up getting kind of niche internet fame and blew up incredibly large. And so the company ended up kind of shifting directions. They sell prints of it and it's evolved into whatever it has. Obviously, you can just Google search Holstein Manifesto, H-O-L-S-T-E-E, to find it for yourself and do more research. But... What they ended up creating, I think, is extremely powerful in that it is so concise and poignant to kind of what life is and can be about. So I'll read it off here. This is your life. Do what you want and do it often. If you don't like something, change it. If you don't like your job, quit. If you don't have enough time, stop watching TV. If you're looking for the love of your life, stop. They'll be waiting for you when you start doing the things that you love. Stop overanalyzing. Life is simple. All emotions are beautiful. When you eat, appreciate every last bite. Life is simple. Open your heart, mind, and arms to new things and people. We are united in our differences. Ask the next person you see what their passion is and share your inspiring dream with them. Travel often. Getting lost will help you find yourself. Some opportunities only come once. Seize them. Life is about the people you meet and the things you create with them. So go out and start creating. Life is short, live your dream, and wear your passion. And I love that piece. And so that was what they created. So I had that on one of the tabs. The second was the Think Different ad, which I encourage you to Google search and like rewatch the original read by Steve Jobs. It's It has a visual component as well, which I would just clip in here in full, but I'd probably get copyright struck for the music at minimum, but definitely the visual. 
but I encourage you to look it up and you probably will recognize some of the words, one of the biggest pieces of advertising or most successful advertising campaigns ever. It goes like this. Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules and they have no respect for the status quo. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them about the only thing you can't do is ignore them because they change things they push the human race forward while some may see them as the crazy ones we see genius because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do I want to reread that last line because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do It's crazy. Every time I read that or listen to that, I still get goosebumps. And, you know, that last line, the words of Steve Jobs, the life of Steve Jobs, and so many of his prolific speeches, pieces of advertising are in my DNA in kind of an inextricable way. And something I forgot to mention is that, you know, during the process of both writing this manifesto, but even the full rebrand at large, I was reading a book that got released recently by the Steve Jobs archive called Make Something Beautiful. And it's kind of a collection of unreleased emails from Steve and in the story of building Apple across his entire career, even going back to the very beginning. I've read numerous books and biographies about him, but this was new. All this stuff was unreleased and I highly recommend it. It's free online on their website. If you just search Make Something Beautiful, it's on the stevejobsarchive.com or .org. And falling back in love with wanting to build something that stands on its own, that is prolific truly beautiful. And I think that that's what the Vitruvian is, can be, and will continue to grow into, especially with this new branding. Um, And it just truly excites me. I think like also reading Rick Rubin and hearing a lot more about what he, his thoughts are on creation. You should create things that are beautiful in and of themselves, devoid of what you expect the outcome to be. It is very hard for me right now to even know what this will grow and develop into, but I want to make it amazing, beautiful, and good on its own so that it can stand regardless of whatever its outcome is, regardless of whatever the monetization vehicle down the road becomes, regardless of X, Y, and Z on its own. It can stand on its own and tell a beautiful story. So that was the second one that I kind of had running in my ear and in my mind as I was writing out the manifesto. Every angel is terrifying, as I mentioned before. It's kind of too large to It's like a 19-minute video essay. I encourage you to look it up on YouTube. Many kind of powerful turns of phrase in there. And I just think in combination with the music and the visuals, very impactful to myself. And that was one that I listened to probably three or four times in the, you know, week and a half, two weeks that I was really heavily kind of drafting out the manifesto itself. And then finally, of course, the man in the arena little speech or snippet from, from a larger speech from Theodore Roosevelt which is, of course, the intro you heard. And I plan and continue to live with that intro and outro. It's emblematic of like my larger worldview. I think it stands for what this podcast stands for. I think it sounds sick. I've gotten a ton of positive feedback from it, but I will read it here. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. 
but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who never know victory nor defeat. It's another one that just brings me chills every time I read it. I have them right now. And it's so powerful. It reminds me a lot of the quote from Phil Knight. It's in. It's within the Shoe Dog book, founder of Nike, talking about that story. He has this quote, and I think he said it, you know, years down the line, once it was a successful company, someone was asking him about the story. And it, it went something like, the scared or the afraid never started, and the weak died along the way. As far as the story of entrepreneurship, it's really powerful. And entrepreneurship being kind of a a fractal or a microcosm of life at large. I think you have to take risks, dare greatly, enter the arena, make your face marred with dust and sweat and blood. Otherwise, you will be one of those timid souls who don't know victory or defeat. Life is able to be lived and should be lived, in my opinion, on the endpoints of the experience. Tremendous loss and tremendous wins. That's the colorful existence that we are blessed to have the choice to opt into. And I think that when we choose the middle of the road, when we choose mediocrity, when we choose the path that is laid before you as the default. I just wrote a piece about this, but it's kind of death by a thousand cuts. Every day that you don't dare greatly, the pain gets just slightly more uncomfortable. And it's not so much pain that you have to change or it's kind of this true suffering, but it's almost like a malaise. And I think that every person has the capacity to be great. And I think that deep down inside they know it and the longer you ignore that call the more that pain stirs within you and at some point there will be no more time and when you come to the end of your life and you look back that's the only way regret can enter is when you didn't take those actions and at least try try and fail try and succeed try and adjust Uh, you know obviously i don't truly believe in failure given that you always learn and adapt and it just becomes part of the story but You may fail at a specific venture. You may start a business that doesn't work out. But at least you know. At least you try. You close the thought loop in your head. And you know for certain that you put yourself out there and gave it a swing. Because as far as we're aware, this is it. You get one try at it. And in my opinion, why, why why not take the leap? So all of these pieces, all of this writing, these great works, these great words inspired what ended up being the Vitruvian Manifesto, which hopefully you've heard. I will either clip it in here. You are the Renaissance. There will be no Grand Crusade to join, no mass demonstration. The movement is not collective. You were the movement. You were the dreamer and the dream, the creator and his creation, the artist and his masterpiece. Your noble cause is your self-discovery. Your great war is within. The world's people are losing themselves. They're directionless, numb, passive, and afraid. They're content with small dreams and defend the status quo. Their misery seeks company. Do not join them. In a world that is lost, find purpose. In a world of degeneracy, lead with virtue. In a world of specialization, study everything. In a world of ordinary, be uncommon. In a world of decline, be the Renaissance. So, not to pat myself on the back, but I... I think that ended up being really something that I'm proud of and hopefully 
resonates deeply with the people that read it into the future. And to kind of break it down, some of the components here, obviously the slogan or the motto of the Vitruvian is be the Renaissance. And so the idea being that the world at large, as I kind of alluded to entrepreneurship being a fractal of existence, I think that both in the very metaphysical sense, but even kind of just in the the practical day-to-day sense, your internal reality is the external world. For instance, how you choose to perceive the events that come to you define how your life feels to you. So for all intents and purposes, your internal state will dictate your external reality. I think there is a, a movement, obviously you're listening to this because you're into improving yourself, getting the most out of life, getting the most out of your yourself and the experience that you have here. And I think a lot of us would be ready to sign up for a renaissance movement, some sort of grand demonstration some sort of large movement where we could check a box and say, I believe in a better tomorrow. But the truth of the matter is that the movement isn't collective. There will be no mass demonstration. You can't sign that list. You have to just do the work for yourself and the world will reflect it. If enough people take the internal journey, that's how we get a mass movement of individuals collectively. And why I think that everyone is equally capable and powerful is that we are all part of this human experience the collective intelligence, collective consciousness, infinite intelligence, the universe created in the image of God, whatever words work for you and your belief sets, I think it cannot be overstated how powerful you are and can be. And it's only when you accept the limitations of others and the story you tell yourself that you then become limited. A great book about this is The Four Agreements. I've mentioned it before. Super short read, so I encourage you to read it, but he talks about, Don Miguel Ruiz, who's the author, talks about as we enter this world, we're accepting, or we start to accept agreements. We make these agreements with the world when they tell us things have to be a certain way, you are a certain way, and it just makes life, it limits the scope of life tremendously. But the truth is, you are not only the creation, you are also the creator. You're not only the dreamer, you are the entire dream. And you're not only the artist, but you are the masterpiece. You are your life's work. And so I think when we see this world of proverbial decline, obviously the rise of degeneracy and all the stuff we see online, the things that we can point at and say that's a problem, well, pointing and sneering and condemning the external world doesn't typically change much. But if we lead with virtue, if we go into the internal world and become so undeniable in whatever the pursuit is for us. It may be a great partner. It may be a great teacher. It may be being a parent who is present physically well, that can lead so much by example that the people around you start to ask. The truth of the matter is nobody wants to be told how to do anything. You have to lead people to get to the place where they're curious enough and then say, hey, like, why are you eating that? Or why do you always focus so much on what you say? Or I notice you're always reading. What are, what are you reading? What, what's a good book you recommend? I've always kind of wanted to do that. Or I heard you meditate. Like, what's that practice like? It's these little types of things that if you continue to lead a life that is so undeniable that people begin to become curious for themselves, that's how we can let people into the world and kind of spread the quote unquote movement. And the movement, again, is is not this like grand thing. There are are many of you listening that aren't going to enter a place where you're making content, you're putting your face on the internet into the world for X amount of people to see in the future. That's fine. But in your community, in your family, in your one-on-one relationship, in your relationship with yourself, like, do you see someone in the mirror 
who you're proud to be day after day becoming and being. So that is the idea of Be the Renaissance and the manifesto at large tells that story. I hope that you find this piece powerful. It'll be exciting to see what it carries into in the future. But for the time being, as it stands, even as I'm recording this before the world knows about it, it's something that I'm proud of. I think it stands on its own. It is art for art's sake. And I can't wait to see what the world thinks of it. But the truth is, the outcome doesn't matter. I am proud of it in this vacuum. And I believe that it will be reflected onto me the value that it provides. So if other people don't find it valuable, then maybe I won't get any sort of acclaim for it or positive feedback, no DMs, no messages, no new podcast listeners. But to think, you know, somebody could print this out and put it on their wall and feel like it's powerful, just like those other great works, the whole C Manifesto, etc. That's a pretty cool feeling. We'll see what it turns into. I'm just really excited to put something like this into the world, something that I'm truly proud of, something that I took the time to work on. With all of this new brand direction and the Vitruvian podcast, you're obviously familiar. If you're a real listener, I have these three closer questions. One of the three being, in your eyes, what defines being a man? And that was kind of the first of the three. Obviously, stepping away from the Vitruvian Man podcast, I want to kind of rebrand these closer questions. I do like the other two. If you could go back to a younger version of yourself and tell him or her one thing, what would that be? And then what is a quote that's always stuck with you that you try to live by? Huge quote person, words matter a lot. So I'm going to keep those two. I'm going to retire the what defines being a man. I went back and this is going to be episode 44. Obviously, I've done solo episodes before. I think it's probably like, say it's like 20 to 30 of the 44 were guests. I went back and listened to all those answers and kind of the resounding answer for what it means to be a man some of the high level ones that stuck out from everybody as kind of like a summary are a man of your word, which is kind of, again, almost brings chills because there's so much that I talk about, about not only standing up for things, but the power of words themselves. And then to think that in the minds of many people, men and women alike, the definition of a man is being true to what they say. I think that's really, really powerful in kind of a very transcendent way. So being a man of your word, honesty, integrity. Provision was another one, being able to provide competently for the people in your life. So I think before I close these closer questions out and introduce the new one, I should answer them for you guys because I haven't done that. We're kind of coming into this new year, new brand. I think it'd be interesting to answer them. So I will ask myself in your eyes, what defines being a man? The answer that I've kind of had from the beginning and has only been affirmed by the answers of others is A man is in control, control of the situation, control of the environment around him, and most of all, in control of himself, his urges, his emotions, and his internal world. I think that that is what defines being a man. In my eyes, it's what defines the masculine, the energy of the masculine, order, structure, control, and I think that when you tie in all of those other things, it, it kind of creates an umbrella for what it means to be a man, especially with the control of the internal world, because it brings in all of those things about being a man of your word, controlling the words that you say in the first place, providing for the people around you. So that would be my answer. Second is if you could go back to a younger version of yourself and tell him one thing, what would that be? It's been, obviously when I wrote these questions a year ago and then started throwing them out, I kind of was of course internally prompted to be like, oh, what if somebody asked me these questions? So it's been the same. I continue to revisit it to see if it would change, but I don't want this to sound in any sort of way 
but it is the truth of how I would answer that. I would just say, I would say two things. One is keep going. I am proud to say and grateful to say that the younger versions of myself leading to who I am today, he didn't make a lot of missteps, mistakes. That's obviously a blessing of the lessons I've learned through books, the mentors I've had in my life. I'm a culmination of all of those things. So eternally grateful for the world that has guided me to where I am now. And there have obviously been times, especially in the last year with this entrepreneurial journey, is it going to work out? What's going to happen? I don't know how to do X, Y, and Z. You're kind of taking shots into the dark and you don't know. And the truth is you just need to keep going. You're on the right path. So that's what I would say to him, one. And then two, for that really younger version of myself, know that you are worthy of love and you don't have to achieve or become anything to become worthy of love. You just have to be. So that's what I would say to a younger version of myself. And then what is one quote that has always stuck with you or that you try to live by? I have so many quotes. If anyone is interested, you can go to the Vitruvian website, join the community for free. I have like a quote log in there that is like all of the quotes I've collected over my life, as well as the ones that are submitted by other guys that are in there. But one that has stuck out, I've referenced it many times on the podcast over the last few months, is the David Data quote. And that quote is, you were born as a sacrifice, and you can either participate in that sacrifice, dissolving into the giving of your gift, or you can resist it, which is your suffering. The more and more I'm working with trying to figure out, you know, what is my gift to give to the world and helping other people find that, which I believe is my purpose. I was going back to, I heard this thing recently from Naval Ravikant, who's a thinker that I have tremendous respect for. And he said that people tend to live up to their names. And I've always always critiqued and been judgmental of the fact that I was named Zach. I just thought it was very mid, very like normal white kid name. But I'd never looked up or hadn't in a very, very long time looked up what the name Zachary means. And so I heard that quote from Naval and I was like, it's interesting. Like, I wonder what my my name means and I wonder if I lived quote unquote up to that or I'm living up to that identity. It literally brought me to tears because Zachary, Zachariah, the biblical kind of root or whatever, means the Lord has remembered. And Shankin, my last name, means to give a gift. The Lord has remembered to give a gift. I mean, unbelievable that I find myself inspired by these great men, working in a space where I'm trying to give my gift, trying to help others find theirs. This quote comes into my life in the last year. And then I hear that quote. I hear that thing from Naval. I look it up and then I'm just floored. Absolutely floored with that. And so never again will anyone hear me criticize or critique the fact that my name is Zachary and Zach. Because the Lord has remembered to give a gift. And I look at my life as that sacrifice and I'm participating in it, giving my gift as best as I can to avoid the suffering of its resistance. And hopefully the words that I say are impactful enough to help other people get to the place where they're comfortable to give theirs, whether it's a DM, a single Instagram post, a podcast, working with me directly in my program and the work that I do. I already know the men that I've worked with directly, their lives have been changed in small and great ways because of 
the work that I've done, the words that I've said, the time that I've spent with them. So my life is forfeit. I hope I get to stay in the arena a long, long time and get to continue to do more good. But if my time was called, I'm content with the work that I've done. I want more people to be able to feel like that. And so that is why I continue to stay in the arena and do what I do. So all of that said, the new closure questions are going to be the younger version question, the quote question, and finally, what do you believe is your unique gift to give the world? Which is what I'll leave you with today to think about any future guests that are tuning in or doing their research. It's coming your way. And I want to thank you guys for everything, for now over a year of support and what will be God willing, decades of exciting, meaningful, fulfilling work and projects to come. Excited for the future of the Vitruvian. Thank you for sticking with me. If you have any questions, reach out. Obviously, I'm present on all my socials. So thank you for your time and attention today. They are your most valuable resources. Memento Mori. And I'll catch you on the next episode of the Vitruvian podcast. And if he fails, at least fails while daring greater, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat.